This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Love is a deep appreciation of and gratitude for the object loved. I love my body. It has been very supportive of my actions. At 86, I don't take medicine. I can't walk very well, but I can get around enough to meet my needs. I am grateful I can still think and write and enjoy the writing of others. I often think of the birthday card that read, If I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. I love my wife of 40 years. She's been faithful in fighting the good fight and taken good care of herself. She says she loves me every day in every way. She says she loves the good man that I am. That means a great deal to me. I love my children. They are fully grown and have had a good life. They have all been very kind to my wife and I. I spent a great deal of time and money trying to cultivate others to like me and make me feel important, trying to fill the void in my soul of not being Christ-like. But I figured it's the organized religions that miss the message. But that is another story. I am happy with who I am and believe my chances in the afterlife are as good as most. I don't have the confidence to think I'm smarter or more qualified than others. I'm just going to settle back and watch the show, says Lawrence McGrath. Valeria interviews Lawrence on self-love. In this episode, Lawrence talks about how the cultural conditioning affected his self-esteem and ability to love himself and how he emerged from the situation to find his own answers along with his own definition for love. Lawrence McGrath is an 86-year-old author who used to be a marine pilot, college professor, college president, bank president, and a consultant. In his book, A Cry from the Heart, a personal essay, he expresses his thoughts about religion, dogma, love, and life. Here is the interview with Lawrence McGrath. So today we are having a conversation about self-love. And my first question to you before I get to the topic, Lawrence, is about life. What is another word for life? I I can't think of any. (laughs) What is the meaning of freedom to you? To do as you think uh, fit, to do what you want. Yeah. 
What is your greatest inspiration to wake up every morning? <laughs> Just to wake up. Right. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> so it changes, right, Lawrence, throughout our lifetime. The inspiration to do what we do in life, it keeps changing for what I see. Yes, yes. For you, when that changed, what was that moment when it became like just waking up? Well, after I wrote the, my book and after I retired, there's nothing um, that is my goal. I, I have no goals. What an interesting place to be in life, isn't it? Being satisfied, content with the life we have. Yes, uh, I am content with it. I'm not pleased with it, I, the, but, the, you know, now that I have all the answers, nobody asking me any questions. <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> yes, I know. And you are faithful. <laughs> you are faithful. <laughs> so do you think it's possible to become satisfied, content and pleased with the lives we have, even when we have goals and purposes? Yes, I think it depends on your attitude towards yourself, the self-love aspect. I perceive that you have self-love and you get, you achieved it with a great deal of success. But I didn't achieve it until I was 65. I mean, and I, I, I felt I was robbed of life as a pursuit. You know, some guys can work at things and, and become uh, very proficient. But I never did. I never, you, you know my history, uh, I just never became proficient at anything. I was good at a lot of stuff, but I wasn't proficient. That's interesting. A lot of people, they search for mastery, right? Becoming so good at certain things, specializing, all that. I don't know. We should just specialize on um, self-love and happiness, right, for ourselves. Yes, I, yes, I agree. But you see, I couldn't start that aspect of it until I got rid of the um, hindrances of old-time religion. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just filling your time with trying to do live according to what they dictate. Uh, yeah, I have some questions for you on that, religious um, beliefs and, and how they affect our lives. You have your own definition of love, the deep appreciation of and gratitude for the object loved. Do you have a definition for self-love? No, I, I don't. I, I think it applies to myself as well. I am in, a, in the process of loving myself. Uh, I love my body. I really appreciate my body now and uh, how good it is. Uh, I don't take any medicine and I can't walk very well, but I, I get along. And um, it's been, and I, I don't wear glasses. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. And really? I, I uh, really. Um, Uh, I just appreciate the good body that I have, that had and have had. You say that 
You don't love yourself because of the cultural conditioning of the organized religion that brainwashed you. So that's how you phrase it. So my question is, how do religion beliefs taught you not to love yourself? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say don't love yourself. It just says you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And I had a father who was mean. He would make your parents look like angels. And uh, I just never was good enough. I went to school in Kansas and uh, college. And when Will Chamberlain played the basketball there, he, he was the first Negro on the Kansas team. And he was interviewed by the um, Daily Kansan. It said, uh, you know, white people say that Negroes are inferior. Do you feel inferior, Will? And he said, yes, every day in every way. And uh, here he was an all-time scorer and got all kinds of medals and everything. But that still did not erase the social conditioning of being inferior. And that's... that's where I was. That's amazing, Lawrence. The article you sent to me, you mentioned that you didn't love yourself. You said, I don't love myself because of the cultural conditioning. So my next question is about another phrase you said. You mentioned that the church made everything a sin. Why did they do that? And what what do you think was the purpose of such an idea? I don't know. Jesus uh, complained about this to him when he was alive. He he said, uh, you know, to the Sadducees, the Pharisees, he says, uh, you take your, the children's money and, and they don't give it to their parents, uh, contrary to what God has told them to do to honor their father and mother. The church has been doing evil things like that forever. I don't know why they do it. I uh, Power, I, it, it just escapes me. Right. You think about power, right? That's one of the reasons. So when did you begin to examine your religious beliefs and start to change them? Well, when my life started to fall apart when I was 44, I mean, I'd done everything the church asked me to do. We said novenas, and we said prayers, and we said our daily prayers, and we went to daily communion, and we did everything. At 44, I ended up with a wife who just hated me and five children that didn't think much of me, and it was just all over, and I just quit. Um, What do you mean when you say you quit? I quit. I I just packed up and left, and uh, I just uh, it was the death of a dream because I dreamed of, of a happy family, and after 19 years, I didn't have one. I just quit. I didn't believe in anything and anybody, and except myself. And, That's interesting because you mentioned also a um, college teacher who said something interesting about marriage, right? Yeah, he. Uh, th- that's when I first uh, got to thinking about it. Uh, the most important gift you have to give is yourself in marriage to the to your wife, and if you don't respect it yourself, or you don't love yourself. You have, you're giving a defective gift, and I. 
I just I started working on that uh, to to try to, but I I had worn out tools. I I had tools that didn't work. I I didn't know how to to do that. Right. And how did you do it, Lawrence? Because in the end, let's say now as of today, you have done a lot of that work. What did you do at first? Did you take steps? What what steps? And how did you start unlearning all these uh, teachings that they were not serving you? Well, first of all, I'd read a great deal of Catholic literature. You know, Thomas Aquinas and Augustine and all those fellows. And uh, trying to find the answer. I couldn't. They didn't have it. And I, I couldn't find it. Then I started reading uh, the Protestant literature, C.S. Lewis. Uh, they gave more uh, simplistic answers, and they, they, they registered with me, uh, but I couldn't find um, a solution because they, when they all get back to the bottom line, they, they want you to... <laughs> Give me money, give me money, give me money. <laughs> and uh, so then when I got to be 64 or so, I I, I had read enough to know that uh, nobody has the answer. And, and that's when my search stopped. And I, I, I read Mr. Watkins' book, uh, uh, the seven uh, worldviews, and that really made sense. And uh, then I realized with seven competing worldviews, we can never have peace in the world because each of the worldviews advocates the use of force to impose your will on another. And then each tribe or each worldview espouses its own characteristics and and you're to you can't have peace unless everybody believes as you do and that's just an impossible situation and so I wrote my book and I it, it didn't you go anywhere but I don't see how we can ever have world peace when we uh, don't have a common definition of love and that is so true in, in in a way even the definition of love chains for everyone yeah they are they are uh, and they're all based on uh, selfishness the definition of love that we have is uh, selfish and by definition it's impossible to be selfish when you have gratitude for and appreciation of the person loved and and that is why uh, I, I I I do cherish you, Valerie. Uh, uh, it's uh, you're my chance to get the word out, and and maybe people will hit, understand it. My grandson Nate, that you've met, <laughs> he uh, he listens to the podcast and takes it very seriously. So you have, in a way, you have hope that humans, that we can understand what love is and adopt that idea and live by those terms or understanding. I love the word understanding better. 
and we might change everything. Perhaps I have to keep asking you questions then to make it really clear. I agree with you. Gratitude is a wonderful state of mind. It can change everything because it's so positive. Um, I'm wondering how we can even love the way you say showing gratitude and appreciation um, in a way that the other can understand. So how do you show love and appreciation, let's say, to your wife these days? She's different, right? She's not like you. So we're all different. Oh, no, <laughs> she's not at all like me. Uh, first of all, there can't be a, a, an understanding of love until we have a common understanding of my definition. Because your upbringing, uh, your parents, your childhood, all of that, parents don't know how to parent. They get married and they, they have kids and they don't know any more about it than fly. So first, you have to get an attitude about gratitude and appreciation. And secondly, you have to not impose your will on another. Now, that's, that's very heavy. That's very tough to do. But then when we have two people, four people, six people, eight people, you know, cells that would, would go and, and appreciate that, then you can um, begin to have a new society. I think of the spaceship trips to Mars, you know, how will they select those people? Will they make it a totalitarian uh, that the captain is king? Uh, or will they have a communal uh, dialogue? Because uh, th that'll be a different definition, different, de oh goodness, a definite definition of, uh, of how they will start the new future in Mars. Yeah, I agree. So the foundations having the same understanding of what love is. Yes. And then we can grow from there. I agree. I agree. Yeah, which it's a, it's a beautiful goal for humanity to teach that. I think we can get to that level. I, don't, I really don't think it's an impossible thing to do. But I guess my question is, how can we balance our desire to, to connect with people, to please them, and to try to change them? Well, first, you give up the notion of changing them. And uh, it, it's not your job. <laughs> and and you're, you're no smarter than the next person. And, uh, but I'm like I'm doing, I'm just offering this up in your podcast. And if you like it, uh, you know, I hope you can ask a question or you can ask more questions and, and it'll grow naturally if it's to be. Right. If it is to be. If it is to be. Yeah. When you say that this is a, a belief, um, some sort of, of mystical belief, or I don't understand when you say what is to be, in what sense, destiny? Yes, destiny. Uh, you know what's what's a billion years from now? What 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 will we look like as a nation? We'll look look at us a uh, hundred years from now for, ago, a hundred years ago, 
I look at what we were and I look at 2,000 years ago. Look what the people were. You know, where will we, uh, where will we be? And uh, the answer is we will be where we will be. Mm-hmm. So that's evolution, right, Lawrence, that you're speaking of? Yes, that's, that's evolution. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And also makes a lot of sense to me what you said with so much confidence that we can't change anyone. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we I all knew, need to hear I, that. <laughs> I knew I threw a spear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it seems like the best thing to do, it keeps going back to self-love, self-respect, Uh, self-acceptance is the only way to have inner peace then and perhaps change others and change the world. Yes. You asked how I implement this with my wife. Yeah, right. Okay. Most of the things that go on in the house are pretty minor, pretty not not essential. (laughs) And and they also cause the most trouble. But uh, but, uh, if... uh, she comes in and says, uh, well, why why didn't I take out the garbage? Okay, so it's we have to have our garbage out by 10 o'clock. And she comes in at 10.30 and says, why didn't you take the garbage out? And I said, uh, well, um, I just didn't get it done. And, and she, you know, I didn't give her an excuse. I just said I didn't get it done. And and uh, so many things. Uh, but what are you going to buy at the grocery store? Well, what do you want? It's letting go of the little things and saying, and giving it her way. Uh, and I, I don't think she's even aware of it, but I am. Wow. So taking things less personally. Yes, yes. Wow, I love that, Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And that is the way to have inner peace, too, to cultivate inner peace. Yes, it it is, it is. Mm. Wow, it's not only your way all the time, because that creates a lot of conflicts most of the time. Yeah, and I uh, don't misunderstand. I set my foot. She wants to paint the kitchen or something because of the fingernail marks on the on the cabinet, and and I said no. I said we we're just not going to do that. We're not going to spend our money, and that takes both of our decisions. And mine isn't going to get gonna come over. You'll just have to deal with it. And so she just deals with it. I like that. But there's a a conversation, right, before making a decision like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I like that because also, yeah, that's that's love, too. That's respect. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You have to respect the person. You can't do it if you don't. Yeah. And setting boundaries, like you said, that's also love. You mentioned earlier about loving your body. Clearly, you say, I love my body, right? Yeah. And you say why? Because the body is serving you in many ways, and you can you are aware of that. Yeah, and and but you have to understand ninety or eighty percent of your body motion functions without your concern. Your heart beats, your lungs breathe, your eyes focus, your ears hear, 
and you can, you don't have any control over that. And it just, the body just keeps going along. True. Yeah. So this is a great organism to be grateful for, right? In appreciative. <laughs> oh, yes. Huh. Oh, yes, it is. It is. And uh, that's why your work is so helpful. In a way, we don't even know why we're alive. What's keeping us alive, right? No, we sure don't. Mm-hmm. We don't. That's so interesting. Then when I talked about self-love, then you brought the I love my body. So how is loving your body different from loving your mind, your heart, your being, your wife, your children? Well, I don't think there's much difference. I don't I can't see any difference. Uh, I, I think that the, by definition holds uh, free from any uh, influence. So you could say then that you love yourself, that there is self-love. Yes, yes. uh. Self-love, a great definition would be trying to cultivate inner peace on a daily basis, letting go of small things, being more aware of others and how to deal with challenges in life. Yep, 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 yep. So uh, let me see. I have a few other questions, but they're not really questions. I think there are some quotes that I have here. I'll just read them and see and ask you if you have a comment to make. This was written by Wayne Dyer. He said, if you don't love yourself, nobody will. Not only that, you won't be good at loving anyone else. Loving starts with the self. He's he's locked into the concept of the love, the definition of love that society has. I don't agree that uh, nobody can love you because you can be loved even when you're incorrigible. Uh, my mother loved me and uh, I, I was pretty incorrigible. You can take my definition, you see, and, and you can love anybody. You don't have to like them, but you can love them and uh, be grateful that they're in your face. He just doesn't go deep enough. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's just a comment. So when he says, if you don't love yourself, nobody will. So you're saying that this is really not. Um, no, that's that's not uh, according to my view of love. Yeah. Everybody has their own definition. And we know now that most of them are not accurate. Yeah, that's right. You spent a great deal of time and money trying to cultivate others to like you and make you feel important. This is something that you mentioned in your article. So my question is, why did you do it? Which I have an idea, uh, the beliefs you had, they were, diff- they were not accurate. And why do you think most people still live this way? Well, there was a, a lawyer in Chicago that wrote a book, uh, The Lonely Crowd, by David Reisman. It's a sociology book. It was very popular in the the 50s. And he uh, said that you're, you uh, operate by uh, the inner-directed, other-directed, and outer-directed. And he defines those. And at the time, it was it was very accurate. The boss walks into the room and you know it and you pick up your ears and eyes and watch everything he does, you know, and that's outer directed. And uh, inner directed is when you 
know what you are and know who you are and know whose you are and you set your own sails and then and then the other outer <laughs> i've forgotten well then then the other is uh, your relationships your you you your friends and that really started me uh thinking of of that, of how the other people, how that affects you. Yeah. So this needs to start early with children. So they are teaching them the definition of love and, and that becomes a practice. Oh, but not only that, I, I can't, I don't know enough about children. You know, your own life as a young person, uh, Think if you had a father and a mother who encouraged you I, with your talents and your attitude, you know, th think what you could have done. I, I had no telling what you could do, but God, if I had had uh, encouragement from my father and, and my mother, I, I just, I can't imagine what I would have done. But, uh, I just, I, it's a wasted life, except I found out what I found out. Yeah. That changed everything, didn't it? Yeah, it sure <laughs> did. It sure did. So, yeah, that might be the purpose of life itself, just to come here and learn, right? Yes. We learn and then we unlearn. God's grass school, <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like a dance, an interesting experience, I think, is the experience of life. Yeah, very interesting. So, um, Mark Twain, he wrote, The worst loneliness is to not be comfortable with yourself. Yes, I, I agree with that. I, I say it differently. Uh, to be alone and not be lonely is the secret. To be alone and not be lonely. Because lonely is when you're alone and you want to be with somebody else. Being alone and being happy is just being alone with yourself. Yeah. Because sometimes we are in relationships, so in the presence of others, and we still feel lonely. Yep, yep. That's for sure. Thank you so much, Lawrence, again for our conversation. And um, we'll talk soon. We'll talk again. Okay. Goodbye, Valerie. Yeah. Bye for now. Take care of yourself. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Lawrence. Thank you for listening. To contact Lawrence McGrath, please email him at lawrence1317 at gmail.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>